0: Hello, it's Paul Scott here again with my usual weekly podcast summarizing the stockopedia Small Cap Valley reports that I write with Graham Neary each weekday we cover twenty seven companies this week in the Small Cap Valley reports and probably another three or four other in the reader comments as well as we often make short comments um in in the in the in the, in the reader section brilliant uh, commentary as always from the readers who are really. Tremendously engaged. I mean, small cap markets are just terrible, aren't they? Oh, permit me to have a little bit of a moan here because I'm, I've am i got to admit, I am finding it difficult. Very difficult. Oh, forgot to say, <clears throat> it's Saturday the 21st of October, 2023. Nearly Christmas. Yes, yeah, so we've got all that to look forward to. So, uh, yeah, I'm finding it really difficult. I'll always paint on a smile and try and be jolly and upbeat for the for the podcast. But I am actually feeling quite down about everything it's just the daily grind isn't it of markets falling uh but we've got to look at the positives as well so looking at the markets as a whole then the thing that jumped out to me this week was that mid caps are really starting to struggle uh the mid cap index i've just looked at that um it's now down 10% year to date And that's all happened in the last six weeks. So mid-caps are really getting beaten up at the moment. And there's some very good companies, I think, in in UK mid-caps. I've just been looking through the list. Do have a look at the browse section on Stockopedia. It's uh, it's an absolute goldmine. You can find all sorts of things. You can look at all the lists of every share within an index and then redefine how you want to view that. Click on the columns. It's brilliant. So I often uh, have a browse through that on a Saturday. Now, mid-caps peaked. So it's currently 18, No, it was 18,853 at the start of this year. It's now dropped nearly 2,000 points, down to 17,000. So um, mid-caps are down 10% year-to-date. And from the peak, which was in August 2021, mid-caps are down 30%. So this is a a serious downturn we're seeing. But, you know, when you see percentages this big, you know you're nearer the bottom than the top. That's the way I look at it. We've got to think in a contrarian way. Emotions don't get you anywhere. You you know, if you let your emotions drive your trades, in my opinion you are you're often doing the opposite of what you should be doing, so get the emotions out of it and make logical rational decisions is my I have to remind myself of that every day um, <clears throat> now the mid caps index is has gone all the way back down to where it was in the mini budget lows last autumn around 17,000. Now, FTSE 100 has been relatively resilient. It's basically back to where it was in 2019. And it's pretty If you Obviously, you had a huge spike down for them for the pandemic in 2020, uh, 2021, and so on. But really, zooming out to the five-year view, it's been flattish. Uh, but then, of course, you get very nice dividends with FTSE 100. So you could argue uh, it's been a relatively safe haven, actually. Uh, it's defensive, of course, mainly. Now, I had a look through the Stockopedia browse page on the FTSE 100, and I looked at all the individual stocks, sliced them, diced them. Here's some interesting stats for you. The top six companies in the FTSE 100, let's see if I can call them up while I'm talking, the top six make up, um, no, a valued-out market cap of £887 Now, by contrast, the bottom stocks in the FTSE 100 are only sort of three to four billion market caps. So there's an amazing difference. And the top one, I think, is Shell, which is around 200 billion. So the, much like uh, the NASDAQ, you know, it's um, the FTSE 100 is highly concentrated in the top six biggest stocks, which are worth 887 billion. The bottom 20 stocks in FTSE 100, I worked out, are only worth 76 billion. So... um Often the move in the headline FTSE 100 figure doesn't really reflect British industry as a whole. Also, it's surprising how you know you only need a market cap of about three billion to get into the FTSE 100. That really surprised me. I would have thought it would be a lot bigger. Of course, remember uh, most companies are privately owned, so um, won't won't be on the stock market at all. <clears throat> now, AIM continues to be a disaster area. It's down to 683, the AIM All Share Index peaked at thirteen oh three, so we're down forty eight percent since August twenty twenty one. And that's a staggering drop. I mean, as I say every week, AIM is full of junk. But I've always said that because it is, you know, you can safely ignore at least two thirds of the stocks on AIM. But there are some good stocks as well. There's a few hundred decent companies on AIM. So people who slag off the whole AIM market, I think you're being a bit too um jumping ahead of yourselves there, really. There are some decent companies there. Um, now, um, we're in a completely dysfunctional market. But the reason why I continue to be very bullish and very optimistic about the future is the market is so cheap now. And if we look through the current sort of macro factors, you know, we're going to make good money from these valuations here, I think, if you're a good stock picker. Uh, Why is the market dysfunctional? It's being driven, I think, by two things, by cash outflows, people taking the money out and just putting it into a 5% or 4.5% cash savings account. And I don't blame them. I think that's a good idea when you're uncertain. Also, I think institutional inflows, everybody I speak to in the the industry is saying, you know, there are some funds that are having awful redemptions. So they're forced sellers. And, you know, all they're doing really is choosing what to sell. And very often it's the stocks where there's a bid. You know where there's liquidity, so actually, you know, this happened in two thousand and one and two thousand and two as well. A lot of these funds that get into trouble with redemptions, uh, they're in a spiral, a down downward spiral, because they're selling off their best stocks because those are the ones with um, with the liquidity in them. With where there are buyers, and you, what you end up with these uh, portfolios, very often these funds is that the people who stick with the fund end up holding all the dross that they couldn't sell. So in a way, I think you know if you're in a in a in a fund that's really underperforming and it's holding uh, it's made rubbish stock picks, then well the time to sell you know would have been some time ago, wouldn't it? But I can see why people are withdrawing money from underperforming um, funds that bought in many cases they bought absolute rubbish particularly the, the the funds that were queuing up to buy these terrible IPOs in 2021 especially. Uh, you know, uh, they made a rod, rod for their own back with hindsight. So, yeah, um, now it's not as bad as 2008. I look back to 2008 and the AIM all share peaked at 12.62 in 2006 and the low was in February 2009, which I remember well. Uh, where it had fallen 69% from the peak. So we're only <laughs> down 48% this time. But as I say, I'm pretty sure, almost certain actually, we're nearer the lows than the high with AIM, which was why I remain bullish. And because we're getting all these takeover bids, you know, private equity and, and trade buyers are, are happy at picking off AIM stocks one by one and, and mid-caps very much so. So that is telling you, that is demo, you know, clear proof that this market is cheap. It's just dysfunctional because of the f- money is flowing out for all, a whole host of reasons. But it'll come back in. You've got a wall of cash on the sidelines that is going to come back in at some point. That's why I'm sticking with this market, even though it's tough. Now, I, digging into AIM, I saw there's only 10 AIM companies now with over a billion market cap, which is quite striking, isn't it? And then we've had some just some strange random fallers this week. Stocks that caught my eye that have not put out any news but have dropped really sharply include Me Group, the old photo me. That's dropped a lot. I see a lot of the readers were discussing that on Stockopedia, looking at that widget on the homepage, which is very useful. Um, And nearly all the stocks we've covered in the Small Cap Value reports are, I think, all bar one of the most discussed, most viewed stocks this week stuff that we've covered in the small cap value reports so we're very much in the sort of eye of the storm if you like covering uh the stocks that people want to talk about so that's 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 good ig design was another one that i've seen has really dropped a lot i haven't seen any news on that so again i think these are more nervous capitulation uh type um fund outflow type sales rather than hopefully rather than anything going fundamentally wrong with the company, but you just don't know. There could be something going wrong. You just don't know why things are falling at the moment. It's random. Now onto my own portfolio. This is my published watch list for 2023. I picked 32 shares, which I thought were good value GARP shares. It's outperformed the market so far this year tremendously well, outperformed by about 20%. Well, anyway, the main list finally succumbed uh to the market pressure and it's now down one percent year to date my main top 20 which i think is bloody good i have to say so i'm really very happy with those share picks it was risky uh doing a published top watch list but i thought somebody said to me well look you know you seem to think you're a good stock picker paul and yes my long-term portfolio track track record is very good but you know actually prove it with some to some statistics so i thought well okay i'll Published my list of favourite stock picks for the year and it's done well. Now, that's my main list is now down 1% year to date. Now, interestingly, of that list of 20 shares, I've had two takeovers, uh, BOTB and Ritala. And I've had five profit warnings now. Five out of 20 shares. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? Um, But still, the uh, positive gainers, because there are quite a few other good ones in there about the top Performing ten of them are all all strongly up. That has absorbed five profit warnings in a list of 20, list of twenty stocks. I thought that was really interesting, and that defines this year for me. It's a year of real polarization into companies that get bid for, where you make a nice return, and then your profit warnings. You're going to get some profit warnings. We all are. We cannot avoid them. Oh, just some other quick macro type market type points. Um, the small cap, uh, fully listed small caps. SMXX is the one I follow because that excludes investment trusts. Now, that is down 27% from the August 2021 peak, which compares, of course, with AIM being down 48%. So, 48% AIM minus 27% small cap index. So, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Uh, Maybe those have better quality companies than the list. I only briefly looked at it, so I can't really comment that much on the list. And that's actually been quite stable over the last uh, year, it's pretty much gone, well, oscillated, but but the moving average, 200-day moving average on SMXX, has actually bottomed out and going, going up slightly. So maybe we should be looking at uh, fully listed rather than AIM shares. I don't know. Yeah, so just some macro factors I jotted down. The main themes at the moment, I think, is uh, damage from excessive interest rate rises. As you know, I'm highly critical of central banks, I think, their policies are absolutely disastrous and setting off all sorts of problems that we're going to probably suffer from in the next year or two. We've got terrible geopolitical issues, of course. The ongoing Ukraine war, the risk over an invasion of Taiwan by China and saber rattling there by China. Uh, obviously, the desperately uh, tragedy, desperate tragedy going on with the Arab-Israeli conflict. Everyone needs to just butt out of that, and not escalate things, I get so cross when I see stupid, ignorant people um ranting and raging on There was a silly woman on, on Question time this week who did that just the hate and bitterness and anger in her eyes as she ranted, took a totally partisan one sided uh, which you, you can guess what it was, which side she picked uh who who it seems to be an article of faith on the left to just ignore the atrocities going on and just take a polarised view it's a hugely complex historical issue, everyone needs to pipe down everyone needs to, we all need to just hope and pray for peace not escalate the damn thing oh god it makes me so sad Uh, anyway I'm sure it does for everyone, it's a tragedy what's going on there Now, recession is definitely um, showing in some sectors. For example, house building, we know their order books are down 30%, 40%, which will knock on to building supplies and eventually to labour. Labour data is softening. I think business to business, you're starting to see profit warnings there as well, where companies retrench, maybe get some of their discretionary spending and their capex is reduced. So it does look like we're going into recessionary Uh, conditions in some sectors doesn't it and when you get that happening in some sectors it can then spill over and feed into other sectors exactly the conditions where you want to see a central bank um, loosening not tightening so they're way behind the curve again i'm afraid these central banks they're hopeless um you've also got um yeah so let's just hope hope that, that the arab israeli conflict doesn't escalate you know Tragic though it is, at the moment it looks contained, but uh, that's a big a, a big worry, for, no doubt about that. Very weak IPOs market, hardly anything happening there, which is largely the fault of the city, who floated so much junk that they've killed the golden goose. Um, now, the interesting thing is, with mild recessions, which I'm hoping this one will be, uh, the good companies just sail through, don't they? Whereas weaker companies falter. We're seeing most days, I've got to say, in-line updates from the the vast majority of the companies we're reporting on. So that's quite encouraging, I think. Um excessive gearing is a worry for companies, but again we can avoid that. We cover the balance sheets. I, I look closely at all the balance sheets for every company I and I I cover, which is often ignored by other commentators, but this is such an important area that, uh, you know, do have a look at my notes on Stockopedia, because at least I'll be able to give you a quick view on the balance sheet. Then you can decide whether you want to take on the risk or not. Um, And you can certainly dodge a lot of bullets by not buying into excessively geared companies. And I'll tell you which ones are excessively geared. So we can make a good team on this, I think. Now, the Eurozone crisis, it's not a crisis yet, but I think it will be. I've just been reading up on Italy. And um, that is now a bit of an outlier... Um, in terms of the, uh, it's having to roll over about a quarter of GDP this year into fresh debt issuance, which is now at something like 5%, I think, their 10-year, getting into danger territory. It could easily have another euro crisis. It looks like it's it's building up eurozone. Uh, Now, let's be positive. On the upside for the UK, we've got full employment still, softening a little. Uh, Inflation is now lower than wages growth. So the squeeze on people's incomes is not getting any worse. It's actually reversed now to a slightly positive um, real incomes story. So that, I think, is encouraging. Savers are now receiving interest on their savings, of course, so they're feeling more flush. Um, Most companies are reporting in line. I've already said that. So it looks to me at the moment as if, yes, I think we're probably going to go into a short and mild recession, uh, which is what the markets are telling us as well, isn't it? Uh, but UK small caps and mid caps are super cheap. That's why we're getting uh, takeover bids galore. And I just think it's not a time for me to losing my nerve. Lose my nerve. Um, you often get fierce rallies in in bear markets. You know, if there are stocks that I'm not comfortable with, I'll probably drip a few out on the next big rally. Not when there's no bid on them anyway and everybody else is trying to sell and there's no buyers. That's not the time to be selling, is it? Well, unless it's absolute tripe. But hopefully you've got rid of all the tripe out of your portfolios already. What else? Oh, yeah, I mean, fund redemption's big, big, big issue. It's causing a lot of the uh, uh, the downward moves fund managers forced to sell and capitulation selling. I think we're definitely seeing capitulation selling now from private investors who are just giving up. That usually happens right very near to the low in the market because people tend to do the opposite of what they should be doing. And then you get this wall of cash that at some point is going to come back into the market. So medium term, I remain very bullish for the reasons I've explained. Shorter term, I've got no idea what will happen. Anything can happen. Oh, one final point on the markets generally. I think we can, when companies do put out good news, there's no rush to buy them. You know, I'm adding things to my watch list rather than leaping in and buying because you know, the sellers come in. You know, goes up ten, fifteen, twenty percent, and then it'll just start drifting down again. We've seen that from loads of companies. Uh, it's not driven by the fundamentals. It's driven by just the the flow of money in and out and sellers. I was talking to a city uh, chap yesterday who who reinforced this point for me uh he just basically said it's all about liquidity he said companies put out our clients put out great news we're really happy with it the price goes up and he said it'll be back down to where it was within a week or two because sellers just need the liquidity so worth bearing in mind don't look at the share price and imagine that's the correct valuation of the company in many cases it's a glaring mispricing uh it's just that you've got more sellers than buyers That eventually will change. So I've seen all this before, multiple times, and, uh, you know, we're we're setting up the conditions for a very nice new bull market in due course. Don't know when. Right, I have to keep this brief now, because I've rambled rather a lot, haven't I? on. let's go on to the individual company reports. So I've got about 30 companies to cover in about 30 minutes, so I'll keep this brief. Cerulean, C-E-R, regulars will know this is one of my favourite companies, growth at reasonable price, I'm green on it again, lovely trading update, it does software for billing type software, cloud based software for telecoms companies, Um, I really really rate this company, it's in the right place at the right time with the right products, sticky revenues, um, recurring revenues. Uh, I like everything about it, but it's rather expensive. But good companies are, aren't they? Now, its trading update was ahead of expectations. I think the shares have been marked down because you'd had two sector profit warnings, even though they're not really comparing like with like. Uh, what, what what were they called? Cal, Cal, Calnex and Spirant, both telecoms sort of related companies, warned on profits which pulled Cerulean down with it. Anyway, it went up 9% on this ahead of expectations trading update. I think it might even have drifted slightly subsequently. It's got plenty of net cash. I've said here, not cheap by any means, but the premium rating is well worth it, in my opinion. Fantastic performance from Cerulean since 2020. So I think it's one of my favourite growth shares in the UK. I would like to own some at some point. Uh, but I don't currently. What else have we got? Oh, Christy. This is the um, mixed little group with a stock-taking division, but the main earner is property and business sales focused on the hospitality sector. I think this was another profit warning. I think this was maybe the third one this year. It's really, really disappointed Christy has, CTG. Um, Graham covered that. Yeah, three profit warnings so far. It's all they're saying down to commercial... Transactions being delayed, and so on uh, graham 's actually stayed neutral on it. he said here he 's stubbornly staying neutral because he just thinks you know it 'll recover um, i think he 's right it 's got a Christie has a pretty reasonable long term track record it 's a viable business so um ninety seven p now i don't, I can see why people might want to hang on or even add a few, but it 's really turning out to be a pretty lamentable year for Christie. Uh, which does raise questions about the business model. You know, if you've got no real visibility over earnings, do I really want to own it? Mm, probably not. I think it's a fairly low quality business. Now, Graham looked at Audio Boom. We don't rate this at all. B O O M. We've been bearish on it for a, quite a long time now. Um, <clears throat> it's another profit warning Q three. It's not a tech business. This this does the um, podcasting. It's an advertising business, and I think once you realise that, you think, well, why would I, why would I rate it on a high rating? Market cap's only down to twenty nine million. Um, uh, management are really greedy there with share options; they take more than the com- when it was profitable. Management took the lot in share option charges, and um, they've slashed the profit expectations. It, it might, it might recover. Hope it does. Um, but we, Graham and I, just think it's got very little to recommend it to use. His words so we 're not going to touch that one now, surface transforms what an interesting company s c e this is the appears to be the market leader in the automotive sector for high high performance um, carbon fibre is it or ceramic brake discs so for supercars high performance cars basically it's just announced 100 million new business award very very impressive but the production doesn't start until 2027 um my enthusiasm faded a bit as i dug into the numbers here um <clears throat> i think it's cash is low and i think it's going to need more so dilution risk at surface transforms uh it looks fairly imminent i would say um, but impressive contracts and and um products so um yeah i would go above amber if once they've got the next lump of cash in because they're going to have to do a third phase of capex so they can actually produce the quantity of discs that are being ordered and of course you know a tiny effectively a start up company uh, cranking up production to 100 you know to to 100 million a year revenues or something of complex high-end high products, it's not easy, you know. Transforma- um, execution risk, I think, is very considerable with surface transforms, but I still think it's really interesting. Now, Tristel, up 4% to £4.13, which values the company £195 million. This makes sort of disinfectant products for hospitals, which use special packaging to mix together fairly standard, ordinary um, uh, ingredients. So there's nothing particularly advanced about the technology, and this is what the company told me themselves at a presentation a few years ago. It's um, <clears throat> more about the special way the products and mi- mi- the ingredients are mixed with the uh, with the packaging, I believe. Anyway, audited results for June 2023 were, were good. I've said here impressive numbers. Uh, I I like the company very much. I think it's got a very good long-term track record, makes high margins, nice balance sheet, lots to like about Tristel. The only thing I'm quibbling over is the valuation. It's on about 40 times earnings. It's just too high. I mean, everybody seems to think the, the US launch will be a huge success, which it might be. And apparently the company is telling, one of the readers told me that the company is telling people that, you know, it's got fantastic international growth potential. But I, would, I countered that by saying, well, if you look at the revenues per geography, it's only selling tiny amounts in each individual country. It laid it out in the results statement. So why do you think there's a huge international growth opportunity when it's spent the last 18 years selling internationally? And got hardly anywhere. Basically, it just sells a tiny amount in each country, but makes big margins on them. That's, uh, there's nothing there to suggest to me that you've got a particularly scalable business. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'm only going <clears throat> on the facts, figures and forecasts as of today's date. Um, it might well outperform. I don't know. But I wouldn't pay up for that um, in advance. 40 times is too high. Right, a couple of things we didn't get time to look at. Hip Hypnosis Songs Fund, that dropped 15%. It's one of these things that owns the rights to songs, which is seemingly very lucrative. Uh, now, that dropped sharply, 15% on uh, a statement saying it was going to take a hit from lower royalties, but I noticed it bounced back towards the end of the week. So I'm not an expert on that. Oh, I don't really know anything about that sector, so I I didn't comment on it. Seeing machines we didn't write up about, I did have a quick look at the results. Totally uninspiring. I mean, again, this thing's been going, going donkey's years. This is the eye-tracking cameras and software, very specialist, promising jam tomorrow for many, many years. It's still loss-making, done loads and loads of placings, I don't know why people are paying over two hundred million for seeing machines. I really don't, but I suppose gradually you get a new generation of investors coming in who haven't heard the story before, don't realise it's pretty stale. Also, we don't like the way Seeing Machines tries to hide the fact that it's got substantial debt. It just it just reports in trading updates the gross um, cash figure, but of course there's a load of debt offsetting it. So I don't, I'm, I'm not keen on that one. The Blanco technology. Bid goes unconditional. Well done for people over in that one. Over 75% have voted for it, so it can now delist, and that, that forces that through. Finally, we didn't look at TPX Impact. That put out an H1 trading update and announced another disposal. I think they're turning that round. I was very, very worried about it a few months ago, but the Bulgarian disposal and now another disposal, I haven't looked at the details, I think that might well turn around. So maybe that's one you might want to take a look at yourself if you're prepared to go into high risk things. Oh, just on Monday as well, somebody put up a a highly distasteful comment. I think it was intended to be a joke, but it completely misfired and mocked uh, people afflicted with disease so i'm sorry i asked the office to remove it well i'm not sorry it shouldn't ever have been posted so i think maybe just try and think before you put up a daft comments you know um so yes and 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 we don't want to waste the time of the admin people so please you know before hitting the send button have a think is this really appropriate thank you very much Right, on to Tuesday then. What was this? 17th of October. Now, I I started um, plugging Graham's YouTube show. He's doing the show at 11.30 live on YouTube and you can comment and chat with people in the section it's usually covering stocks in the he usually covers three stocks that have been in the small cap value report but graham's also interested in in mid caps a lot more than i am and so he often covers a mid or even a large clap as well and it's very very good you don't have to watch it live at eleven thirty. it's um it's recorded as it's streamed you know anyway i think they're excellent it's a not-for-profit thing he's just doing it out of general interest uh, so we're happy to promote things uh, the, the people who put out great content, and it is great content well done Graham, I'm enjoying them uh, ok, so on Tuesday we only covered three uh, stocks, we had a bit of an off day um, Graham actually did two of the three, I only did one, It, it just occasionally you ju- it just nothing happens, you can't get the words out, so sorry about that we're not machines, we're, we're human and we do have the occasional off day so Graham covered Jupiter Fund Management JUP, this has really dropped a Lot hasn't it anyway? Graham goes through the trading update for that. We've had a lot of interesting reader comments actually about the fund management sector. Um, uh, yeah, now Oh, this was it. There's some new fee structure that's going to take uh, a bite out of its profit margins. I saw something in the in the paper. I think it was the Times about that today, but I haven't read it yet. So that might be something that's worth flagging. I looked at Shoe Zone. I'm green on this because I mean it was a fat fantastic trading update they've blown the bloody doors off as I said here I put a little link to the Michael Kane thing you know from the from the um uh, that thing about cars what was it the minis anyway um <clears throat> yeah superb update way way ahead of expectations and they raised expectations I think continuously throughout the year so yes I'm very positive on on shoe zone at £2.33, up 9%. But we cannot ignore the looming competitive threat from tr- Chinese direct-to-consumer competition. Shein and Timu, I've just had another look on Timu. I bought some trainers, some lightweight trainers from Timu, for about £6.75. Even if... It, I, I appreciate that people want to go into a shop and try on the fit and so on for shoes, but, you know, even if Timu and Xi'in and others only take, say, 5 or 10%, of shoe zones revenues that I worked out that would probably halve its profits. So I wouldn't ignore this competitive threat from China. I think, um, I could look, I could be, uh, raising a, a false alarm, but I, I just want to flag the risk so you can make up your own mind, whether you think it's important or not. And then Graham looked at frontier developments, FDEV. Now we had a bit of a disagreement on this because Graham marked it green, but, um, I pointed out to him that that doesn't in any way tie in with our explanatory notes, saying what green means. So I was hoping to talk him down to amber, but uh, his stubborn gene kicked in, and I got into a bit of a flap about it and just thought, oh. So I just marked it brackets under review. So um, I think we need to, Graham and I need to have a chat about how we're going to actually colour code things, because he's sort of unilaterally decided to start colouring things green if he just thinks it's a good punt and it's gonna, it has recovery potential, which isn't what we've actually said in the explanatory notes. So I think we might need to adapt that slightly. But anyway, there we are. Maybe it would have been better to go with amber-green on it. I don't know. But uh, I didn't want to waste any more time on that. So uh, we can have a chat about that. What else? Uh, things we didn't look at on Tuesday was the Huck Group, THG. It says it's in line trading for Q3, nearly a billion market cap. I think it's absolute rubbish. Sorry. So I didn't want to waste any more time on it. BP Marsh went up 4%. We didn't manage to get around to that. The one I wanted to look at was Her- Hercules Site Services. Very small, 16 million market cap. That rose on what looked like an ahead of expectations update, but I didn't get round to it. And Smart Space, smart space Software put out its inline interims 12 million market cap i haven't really been impressed with that one at all when i've looked at it and revolution bars came out with inline line results which i covered in wednesday's report so that's it for tuesday i haven't got time to look at the comments the reader comments Right, on to Wednesday, 18th of October, 2023. We got 134 thumbs-ups from the readers, so I very much appreciate that. We do like it when we get thumbs-ups, because we think, well, at least people it shows that people appreciate what we're doing and are finding our reports useful, hopefully. Now, oh, this was a bit of a bombshell day. So Sandar, S-O-S, this has been a stock that I've held on and off over the years. That uh, I've always believed that the uh, the two ladies who run it, Julie and Ali, were exceptional, and I still think that. And you know, building a, a fashion brand from scratch is nigh on impossible, and they've done it. They've done really, really well, particularly last year. But you know, needed a lot more money than originally planned. They always do. Everything always does. All blue sky things floated far too soon. With with retrospect, it was barely a start up when it floated anyway look they put out this trading and strategic update review uh, now i've described it was fairly brutal with this i've described it as a big profit warning dressed up to sound like a deliberate change of strategy i'm not impressed <coughs> now i could see <coughs> sorry excuse me i could see that this was um a significant rns so i focused on it between 7 and 8 am and i published my piece on it at 7:58 saying Uh, brace for a a likely sharp fall in share price. Now, some idiot on ADVFN bulletin boards put up a really snide and inaccurate post um, saying, oh, no doubt Paul Scott on Stockopedia is going to be talking up his own book and glossing over this profit warning like he always does. So anyway, I thought, do you know what? If somebody's going to lie and make things up like that. I'm going to give them both barrels. So I went on to ADV, ADVFN and did precisely that. And uh, it was very satisfying, actually. Why shouldn't I shoot back at someone who posts complete tripe, lying tripe like that? So I just said, you're a complete liar. I've just posted a highly critical report for my stockopedia readers at 7.58, pointing out this is a big profit warning. So anyway, to that so-and-so, up yours. Uh, right. Back to Ah, uh, Do you know, I find these quite therapeutic, these podcasts. And of course, they're my personal podcasts. So this is not um, official Stockapedia stuff. So, uh, you know, I keep it clean nearly all of the time. Um, but uh, it helps me getting a few things off my chest. Right, Cassandra. Yeah, yeah. This was a big profit warning, you know. The previous, as I pointed out here, the previous note from Singers was that it was going to make a profit before tax of three point one million this year, which is March twenty twenty three. What they're now saying, they're only going to make point one million. So they've just dumped their whole profit for the year. Well, that's terrible. It's, it's awful, and the, the the revenue growth has been slashed. And they put in the headline numbers for the, for H1 to September 23. This is the sort of flash guidance of a one uh, revenue, revenue only up 6% and a, moving from break even last year to an H1 loss of 1.3 million. These are lousy figures. It's got enough cash. It's got 7 million in net cash left. And that's probably a seasonal low because they'll be stocking up for Christmas peak season. But the, I think the wheels have really come off this, actually. And what they're trying to say in the commentary, which frankly, I don't believe. I think there's possibly some truth in it, but I think it's not the main reason for the profit miss. They've said they've decided to now open a chain of shops. Well, that was a a complete bombshell. We've never been they've never shown any interest in opening shops at all. But they're saying, look, a mid market brand like theirs, there could be about 50 locations in the UK where they could trade profitably, profitably from high street stores. And. They've 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 showcased some similar type brands that make very very good profit margins by selling selling about half online and half from physical stores. Now there is some logic to this actually. I need a bit more time to think it through. <clears throat> At first I was pretty uh, shocked and um, unimpressed with it, but given that Sir Sandals has been online only plus wholesale to third party uh, uh, e commerce businesses, large ones like M&S and um and uh what's the big one next and they quietly dropped John Lewis uh but didn't directly tell us they've just stopped mentioning it again they PR everything too much they've got to be more straight with investors not just everything's fantastic everything's incredible and then you know you look at the numbers and you think well they're terrible so I think they need a complete rethink of how they communicate have I lost trust in management partially yes if I'm honest uh, well, I'm always honest. I do hold Sir Sand on myself, but I should say it's only a very small position. I'm tempted to add to it because the shares have really dropped a lot, down to about 11p. Of course I'm tempted to buy more, but I've decided to just wait, to just sit on the sidelines and think it through. I don't think there's any rush to buy them anyway, because I think a lot of people have lost faith, faith in it and um, may not be able to sell. So you could have a backed-up uh, wall of sellers for some time on that. That's one of the reasons I'm not buying But anyway, you know, they've got this database of all their online clients that they've sold to since the year dot. There must be hundreds of thousands of transactions. So they know exactly where their clients live. Now, this is the interesting bit. When I was uh, the CFO at Pilot, Ladieswear Chain, we had about 160, 150 shops by the time I left, 16 shops when I joined. So I know all about retail rollout because I've done one. Eight years I was the CFO there, you know. I can tell you everything you need to know about a retail rollout. Well, basically, when we went into new stores, the CEO guessed. He just basically said, oh, I think it's going to be a bit like Cambridge. You know, and I asked him, give me a revenue forecast so I can model this. Um, but he did everything by the seat of his pants, by his instincts. And he was consistently overestimating the forecast revenue by about 30%. So we just kept opening stores that became loss-making. Um, So that was basically how not to do it. But, of course, that was 30 years ago. So we didn't have the internet and all the data that Sasandar's now got. So Sasandar know exactly where their customers live. They can look at, I think they mentioned it, an upmarket town like Guildford, and they can see from their data, probably within 10 miles, they've got thousands and thousands of customers. So they know the market's there. And I think that is quite an interesting thing, which will give them and hopefully avoid them opening up in in dud locations or overpaying for the rent. So, you know what? I think there's a chance they could pull off this store rollout, but I'm not aware of them having any retail experience. This is the problem. And take it from me, having done it, running a chain of retail stores is incredibly difficult. Um, You know, it's just non-stop problems and crisis management. And I think it's going to take their eye off the ball on product, product design which is their key and, and 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 marketing and the visual imagery that they're all brilliant that they're brilliant at at susanda can they manage the whole issue of running a chain of stores as well on top of that i think they'll struggle so uh, but do you know what i think eventually in the long term i reckon they'll pull it off but I have no idea what the shares will do. I mean, they're down to now, what, 25, 26 million market cap with 7 million cash. It is quite tempting, you know. So I don't, I just don't know on Sandar. I'm, I'm up in the air on it. Now, I looked in detail at Revolution Bars. This put out its prelims. Oh, market cap's a joke now, about 6 million. But as I pointed out, I think the core chain is is trading very badly because it was softened by Peach Pub's acquisition Uh, It is making a small loss now, although that should be cash positive, of course, because it's got a big, big depreciation charge. Uh, The bank are being very cooperative, you know. I did flag that in my report. I mean, I've gone amber red on it because, you know, it's just... It's a bit of a dog-end share now, Revolution Bars, to put it mildly. I've Overall, I, it's washed its face for me because I did a big, big trade down at, when it was down at 11p. I bought uh, over a million shares and I sold them at 35p, which we covered in the Small Cap Valley reports at the time. And shortly after that, it was a lucky sell, actually, but shortly after that, it crashed again on another placing. So that was more luck than judgment, I think. Um, now, I think it's just a special situation only for people who are prepared to take... Very considerable risk. I think, was there a going concern statement? Yeah, here we are. Major red flag with the material uncertainty on the going concern statement. It's basically saying it may not be able to stay within the bank facility terms in in, in its downside stress test. Uh, I don't know where, where revolution bar shares will go. Now, I don't like the fact it's got far too much debt. Um, so it could go either way um so it's yeah 23 million of net debt market cap of 7 million you know the equity is just a call option now isn't it it's a, you either go to a penny or zero or you know if if it turns around you could make good money on it but i've i've got a tiny position in it more as a trade than anything uh i bought half a million shares recently at about 5 or 6 p um and then within 2 or 3 days i panicked and thought oh god i think i've made a mistake if it, You know, if it does go to a, a penny or zero, that's 30k. I don't want to lose that. So I, I tried to sell 80% of them, 400,000 shares. And do you know, I had a hell of a job selling them. Cool. Yeah, the Hargreaves Lansdown platform just kept rejecting it. Wouldn't give me a price. So I had to put in full or kill orders, and I sold most of them. I think at between four and five p, or not, no, three point five. I think was the lowest. So I've t- I've lost a few thousand on that, but I don't care. It's it's you know you've got to. Uh, it's better to recognise you made a mistake and chop them out quickly rather than um, just death by a thousand cuts. I think. So happy to admit uh, I got that one wrong, but you never know. I'm I've got a hundred thousand shares left in them. What's that? Two thousand seven hundred quid. That's fine. It's a punt. It's small. So that's how punts should be. Risky punts where you've got going concern problems, you know, I think I would normally either avoid completely or just have a really, really tiny fun money position. We all like to have a punt every now and again, don't we? And Why not? As long as it's not big amounts of money, then it doesn't matter. Graham looked at Hostel World, HSW. This is quite looking interesting. Lots of actually quite positive things uh, there. So uh, Graham covers that one. The debt in particular is now under control and much cheaper. So we quite like that. 888 Holdings. Graham uh, is so funny. He's slagging it off and he has done several times recently. But then he says at the top, I've got a long position in this. (laughs) It's a most un type of holding, but, you know, like I say, we all like to have a punt, don't we? So the main issue with ATT is the vast debt mountain it's got. So, again, equity there is almost like a call option. Lots of inline updates on Wednesday that we didn't get round to covering. Uh, uh, oh, there was an update in line from Supreme, uh, which is making some changes to the packaging of its vaping products. Uh, on a very low PE, obviously, because a lot of investors don't want to invest in a vaping company, which I don't. But I appreciate some people see it as a smoking cessation product. I see it as a nicotine addiction product. product. So there are two views on this, and a lot of people are somewhere in the middle. That's that's fine. That's what makes market active ops, a 70 million pound company, put out an inline update. Cirata, usually previously one disco put out a trading update date and outlook i'm not covering that one anymore i think it's hopeless oh now manilaite or manalay this is the litigation financing thing now one of our uh, very very excellent lady Subscribers who calls herself Shopping365, who I met at Mello last year, and we got on like a house on fire. Anyway, she off she put up a very good post about Sir sandals product, saying, "Look, this is a woman. You most of you are men. This is I'm a woman, so I'll give you a woman's perspective on the product and the brand and so on." That was really interesting. So thank you for that. Uh, anyway, she asked me to look at Manalay, but I said, "Look, it's too specialist." But I did have a brief look at it in the reader comments, and it might might be worth a closer look. But it's a bit too niche. For me, I'm not really comfortable looking at uh, uh, litigation funding, finance and companies. But it's got an interesting new sideline in its funding legal cases for people who um, who nicked the money from the bounce back loans or used it inappropriately. So they're going after people who, um, you know, maybe abused that scheme, which I think is a good thing. Cakebox put out an inline update down 1%. Uh, so that was it for Wednesday. Oh, just going back to Sasandar, I wanted to say what I've learned from that profit warning. I always look at profit warnings, get the emotions out of my system in the first five minutes, then try and think logically. Uh, don't hit the buy button on the opening bell trying to buy more because you think the bounce, uh, the, the, the crash in price is unjustified. It's nearly always a mistake to buy immediately after a profit warning. So I hold back, let the dust settle. Uh, chew over the the pros and cons and make a rational decision. That for me is always better than just leaping. Was I tempted to buy when it spiked down to about thirteen or twelve p? Of Course I was. I I really had to resist the temptation to 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 buy some of those. Um, but I'm I'm happy that I I got my emotions under control with Cassandra profit warning. And I'm now just thinking it through. I still haven't decided. I'm still thinking it through. Anyway, so what uh, what I was going to say was. With profit warnings, there's nearly always a signal previously that something's not going right. And there was with Sasandar, its Q1 trading update showed way below forecast growth. Now, I look back to my previous comments on it and I flagged this in my own report, whenever it was, back in July, I think. I said, oh, you know, look, they're way below the forecast growth for this year, but they're reassuring us that they can catch up. The, the The comparatives are much softer from Q2 onwards. They've got all these positive things happening, like going into the Sainsbury's stores. So I allowed myself to be talked into, thinking that the question marks, which were very clearly there in the Q1 update, were nothing to worry about. Well, that was my mistake. Although having said that, it must have festered somewhere in my mind, because when I was looking for shares to sell to buy uh, Plexus, when I uh, came across that in August, September, and I wanted to buy lots of them, I had to prune back most of my positions, and I did prune, and it, which is actually a really good discipline. You look at everything in your portfolio and think, is this new thing that I think I found, which could be a multi-bagger, is that? Better than the stuff I'm holding, which is one of my key reasons to sell. I might still like a share, but if I I think i found something better... So I did actually sell quite a lot of of my other positions, actually, which meant that when the profit warning for Sassandar came... And I thought, you know what, I can buy them back. Uh, If I'm happy with the next trading update, I'll buy back most of the Sassandar. So when the profit warning hit, it did hardly any damage to my portfolio. I'm sorry that uh, not everybody's in the same position. Um, and it's I know it's annoying when people say, oh, I'd sold most of them when a profit warning hits. Well, I don't have to disclose what I'm buying and selling. Uh, you know, I wouldn't write these reports if I had to You know, detail every transaction. But the transactions always tie in with my view on that day. So if I write an upbeat uh, uh, report about a company on today's date, you know, you. Y- it's got to be consistent with what I'm doing in my personal portfolio. So I have never and will never write something positive about a share whilst selling it on the quiet. I've never done that and I never will because it's crossing a line and you can find out the people who do that and it's bloody annoying. It's, it's unethical. So if you write a positive view on a company, it's got to be truthful and it is with me. So my report in July on Sasandar, the mistake I made was that i didn't place enough emphasis on the risk of a profit warning i just allowed myself to be reassured by management thinking that you know yes they've done very well historically um and uh yeah i should have said you know what the q1 thing is way below forecast i'm going to sell just to be on the safe side as it was i top sliced a couple of times so i still held some but it was only a small position So I think, again, I'm going to be more careful and more brutal from now on with trading updates. I'm going to scrutinise the outlook very closely, more closely than I already do. And at any sign of potential trouble, even if they say we're still going to meet forecasts, if something doesn't look right, if something looks negative, I'm just going to sell, I think. So a little bit of damage personally to me this week from small positions in Sasandar and Revolution Bars. And Revolution Bars was in line with expectations. That's the thing but the market treated it like a profit warning but you know when you're down to 3p a share it's it's just a gambling chip isn't it anyway so that was a disappointing and quite stressful week really uh because I've also got to bear in mind that a lot of the readers um I don't ask them to and I don't want them to but some of the readers do follow me into shares that I write positively about so I apologize to you if you, you know if my previously positive thoughts on are you know, um, you followed those and, and, and held some stock. So, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really sorry sandar 's uh, disappointed, but there's certainly no solvency risk. So I think this is one where you just, for me, I just park it to one side and just hold. Medium term, I think it'll come back up again. So I'm not worried. I don't have any worries about sandar I can't say the same about revolution bars with the excessive bank debt. And the going concern worries and i 've got big question marks over management there as well. I think uh, you know that 's now just a special situation, very high risk could be a zero type thing um, but but as I say, for me, it was just a tiny punt i 've not been permanently bullish on revolution bars. Some people seem to think that I was before the pandemic, but i kind of had patches of thinking it would recover over the last three or four years. But it hasn't. You know, that's the bottom line. It hasn't worked. So uh that's the way it goes. Oh God, how many did we do on um Thursday? We did nine companies, so I've got to really rattle through these fast before I run out of time. Marshall's Building Product Products Company. Uh have got Amber Red because it's got too much debt. Uh doesn't see any recovery uh, on the horizon. Um and yeah the debt's the main problem there. But actually um it's and it's not a bargain based on the current forecast, but in a recovery it could uh, uh the shares could do well in Marshall's. Bellway, mid cap house builder, um <clears> the <throat> figures are okay, the results, but uh I look into the outlook and you know, earnings are gonna plunge this year, it's already factored in, and the Ford order book for the house builders are down between thirty and forty percent. So the sector's going into a very Uh, bad patch but everyone knows that so it's in the prices Whitbread I looked at not a small cap but dot 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 very impressive H1 results although bear in mind the profits are weighted to H1. We clarified this with the reader who thought it was on a PE of 12. It's not. It's on a P of about 16. But I think it's a really impressive company. Premier Inns is its biggest operation, and it's an absolute bloody goldmine. Because it's one of very few branded hotel groups in Britain. And the independents, many of them are closing down. So I think Whitbread's in a really good place, and the shares uh, are reasonably valued. Lovely balance sheet, too. So Whitbread's interesting, WTB. Gamma Aviation came out with a staggering announcement. It bought um, an aircraft maintenance thing in 2021, and it's just sold it for ten times, about $100 million, 10 times what it paid for it. So that's incredible. Any management you can do that, I think, are worth following. So GMAA. I haven't looked in detail at it. It's something to do with aviation. Have a look at it. I think it looks very interesting. Shares went up 69% to 88p, but it's going to return. It says it's going to return, I think it was 50 or 55p to share in a in a tender or a dividend or something so very interesting special situation gamma aviation have a look at it ondine biomedical obi the short version is is crap um and it's and it's run out of cash so it's spiked up in hugely in price but don't get sucked into that one until it's refinanced ondine biomedical obi is the ticker on the market, now I had a success this week. Uh, this got a recommended takeover bid at pound ten in cash from an America American group. Now, I don't want to blow my own trumpet too much, but I think I pretty much predicted this. Uh, any regular listeners can maybe confirm that. I'm pretty sure I said I've been bullish on it for a while because it's got cash in the bank, it's profitable, it's obviously not going to take over right move, but I thought it was a bid target and it's it's happened, so I'm i I got nearly a double my money on that, so I'm very, very pleased I've sold them all straight away at one pound seven because I've got other things I want to deploy where I think I can get more than a three percent return in the next few months. so there could be a higher competing bid. I accept that risk uh yeah, I think it was a very very good one. risk reward on it was excellent and it and it played out. Pretty much exactly as I thought. I think this it's been bought by a US giant, sector giant, in online uh, real estate. that's worth $27 billion. So watch out Rightmove. For the first time, you're going to get some really serious and well-funded competition. Now, Rightmove share price dropped by 12%. I wouldn't touch Rightmove. It's expensive, and everybody seems to be assuming that its cosy monopoly will last forever. Well, I don't think it will. And this is, again, I've been bearish on Rightmove for that reason for years. And I've finally been proven right, I think. So that's good. It's nice to get some of them right occasionally. (laughs) Right, McBride, uh, trading update ahead. Graham looked at this. This is quite interesting. I think people who were bullish on it before were taking a big risk. But I think it's paying off, you know, because uh, well ahead of expectations. It's now generating very strong EBITDA, uh, which means that the debt pile the debt mountain is less of an issue so i could see that one graham's gone amber red which is because the debt is still a massive problem i respect that view i'm personally probably more amber green because i can see the upside on it maybe we should have just marked it amber (laughs) Uh, so i know one of our regulars Janos, uh yanos 01 i think it is who's um got a unique style of posting. Uh, <laughs> that's being polite. He's uh, he's been bullish on McBride, and I I put a comment up and saying I think you're onto something with this one, you know. So good luck to him and to others. Although don't forget it's still got a hell of a lot of debt. Rank group Grain looked at. He likes that one. He's green, and GB group I looked at. I was hoping to go green on GB group, um, but actually it's an inline H one update. But I delved into the numbers. I don't see value there. I think uh, I, I explain exactly why with balance sheet and cash flow analysis. But a bit disappointed that that. I know Paul Hill mentioned it recently as something good to look at, but doesn't float my boat. Right, Friday 20th of October was catch-up day. I actually did most of these the night before fuelled by a bottle of white wine, which gave me a bit of a sugar rush, and uh, yeah, all good. So Gear for Music, I looked at G4M, that dropped 7% to £1.25, H1 trading update was in line. Um, I think, uh, I can't make up my mind on this, hence why I went Amber. It's saying a modest um, profit for the full year, March 24, of £1.2 million. Disclosures have got much better now. They used to mention just the ridiculous EBITDA number, which is about nine and a half million or something. Total nonsense. I think I've been very critical. Well, I have been very critical about that. I'm glad to see they've listened. And they're now putting the PVT forecast in the in the guidance section. So thank you for listening and, and improving the reporting. It's much appreciated. Now, it's cut costs a lot and it's focusing on gross margin, which I think is exactly the right strategy. So it's really ex-growth now, Gear for Music um but it's forecast to make 2.7 million next year so i think i think yeah i wouldn't a 26 million market cap I, i'm not against it uh, a fair bit of debt but it's got freeholds as well and i think it's a nice well well-run owner-managed business gear for music it might have some i think it's probably got more upside than downside risk but not enough to tempt me into it again hollywood bowl oh glorious figures uh, green, yeah, shiny green on bright green on this up three percent to two pound forty one. I like everything about it. Trading update for <laughs> September twenty three. This is obviously this is the UK's largest. Uh, Tempin Bowling group Hollywood Bowl and it's also expanding into Canada now and um, not really clear from the wording if it was ahead or in line with expectations so fudged wording I think was a mistake but PR of 12 over 5% dividend yield and it's self-funding site expansion and it's got pots of cash in the bank what not to like so yeah I've got got to be positive on Hollywood Bowl. I like that a lot. Syetta, this is a crock. I'm red on this. S-E-D. Diabolical figures. It's burnt through nearly all of its cash pile with nothing uh, commercially to show for it. So it published late-March accounts, and came back from um, resumption of trading shares have dropped 29% to 27p i think that's probably 27p too high unless they can you know pull something out of the bag or uh, pray for a minor miracle i think i think this could go bust and it's got a material uncertainty red flag in the going concern statement i think it's nearly out of cash phenomenally high cash burn really reckless management here i think I've said here, I've used my barge pole and I've borrowed yours as well to make double shore. So be really... You know, something miraculous could happen, but... I've seen lots of these things go down the pan, and I think Sayata is uh, lined up for that, quite frankly. IQgeo, very interesting. I had a call with management this week. I was very grateful for them giving up their time, the CEO and CFO, to Zoom me through the the interim results presentation. I'd previously flagged concerns about the balance sheet with the receivables being too high. I think they've talked me into and explained the reasons why, and I think I'm happy with it now. Um I management seems straight. I like to look at the whites of their eyes and see what they're like and I think they're very good. Tremendous organic growth, you know, at IQGO. Uh, 83% organic growth. That'll probably level off this year, um, but they're growing recurring revenues, so they're expecting higher gross profit, maybe on flat or slightly lower revenues. I think it looks a really interesting growth company. Have a look at IQG. Bit expensive for me. And finally, Procook. No, I'm red on that. We've been red for about a year on Procook, the kitchenware uh product company um don't see any sign of a recovery as yet so okay i'm gonna leave it there because we're nearly now thanks so much for your support as always means a lot to us um in a bear market especially and um yeah thanks for all your comments so i'll, I'll sign off now bye for now bye